Hello, everyone. Welcome back, and thank you for joining us on the Live Unreal with Glover U podcast, where every week, Jeff Glover and his coaches dive deep into questions that you are asking. They understand the challenges you're facing on a day-to-day basis and still work every day on the front lines of real estate, with Jeff and his team closing over 1,000 homes per year. In today's episode, the tables are turning as Kathy Schweitzer takes the reins to interview Jeff. Now, let's hear from Jeff and Kathy. So, Kathy decided it might be a good idea so Jeff, you're always doing the interviewing. What if I interviewed you? And so, of course, I thought, well, I have a feeling that you're gonna throw in some questions that maybe you didn't prepare me for. And I actually prefer not to see the questions. She said to me backstage, she said, you know I sent you the questions, right? And I was oh yeah, 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 I saw them. I actually didn't, op- I didn't open it. Because I'd rather be put on the spot. Because what happens is sometimes in a setting like this, when you have time to prepare your answer, you don't always speak from the heart. No, I agree. You think of what the audience, you'd want the audience to get out of it. So hopefully they're not too tough. No, they're not. And let's have some fun. So we're going to pull up a chair and um, you've got a list, you got your questions? I do. Do you need a water, by the way? I, I, I've been drinking water, I feel. I would love a water. All right, let me, let me see if we can get a water up here for you. Okay. So can we get a water for Kathy real quick? Do you guys get a lot out of the millionaire mindset? Say yes. And Kathy, we're going to have a nice little fireside chat there. It's a little wet, so be careful. And uh, I'm going to grab mine so I have that also. And you have some questions I do. for me. All right, let's have some fun. You guys ready to have fun? <laughs> What's the most embarrassing thing you've ever done? <laughs> <laughs> That's question one? <laughs> Where I said we going? were going to have fun, so you know, I thought I might as well just throw it out. Just kidding. So I, I just wanted to take a little time because I think even some of these things I don't really know, mm-hmm. right, about yeah. you. Sure. So um, give us a little, I want to give, give us a little insight about Jeff Glover. So where did you grow up? So I actually moved around uh, three times before I graduated high school. So I started... Um, elementary school, or I, actually I moved four times. So I started in a town called Westland, Michigan. Then I went to elementary school in Livonia, Michigan. Uh, I went to middle school in a town called Belleville, Michigan, and graduated from Novi High School. So I guess four times I moved around during my wow. childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, why was that? Um, well, I, th- I think the move from Westland to Livonia was for a better, uh, a better quality of life, a better school system. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, my parents were thinking about getting me and Christy, my sister, into, into a better school uh, system. And um, then, you know, like a lot of parents today, not of course everyone, but then at 10 years old they, were, they divorced. Yep. And um, I made the decision uh, at that age uh, to go live with my mom. And uh, we lived in a uh, town called Sumter Township, which is essentially, you know, Belleville's like the main city, but the actual township is Sumter Township. And, um, you know, the, the school system there wasn't as great as, as uh, the Livonia school system that I was in before. And, um, you know, I, I would say that I was probably on the path, not that there's anything wrong with this, but, you know, most of the kids that, that went to that school, at the time anyways, were not, had no desires to, to own businesses or go to college and, and, you know, do good in society other than, you know, I, I think most of the classes that I was taking was like, shop and car repair and HVAC. I mean, th- those were the types of classes that, that we were taking. 
And, um, you know, I think my dad saw an opportunity for him to spend more time with his son. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so he, he uh, bought a trailer in a town called Novi, Michigan, which is a pretty wealthy city yeah. with a really good, good school system. And um, at essentially in, in the, towards the end of my ninth grade, um, I made the decision to go live with my dad mm -hmm. and um, finish out high school in, in Novi. So that's, that's how I moved, why I moved, I guess. Okay, that's interesting. That's a good story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so your parents divorced when you were 10? That's right. Yeah, mine were, I was 15, so it's one thing. Interesting. Yep. So what's one memory that you learned from childhood, whether, you know, I'm going to say like in your, before your teenage or anything that, that influences you today? Well, um, I would say one of the advantages of, of moving around, and I actually, you know, I, I, I know a lot of people, it's kind of like a classic thing for those that have kids, you know, you say, well, I don't want, I don't want to move, you know, I had to move around a lot, so, you know, I know what that was like, and I don't want to put my son or daughter through that, and I actually happen to believe that that moving around is actually part of what made me who I am today, mm. because I was forced to meet new people. I was forced to, yeah, you know, I remember when um, I moved from Sumter Township or the Belleville school system to uh, Novi, um, I mean, I had to change my, I, I had to change my whole wardrobe. I, 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 you know, did not fit in at all. I mean, it was a, it was like night and day, the type of kids that I went to school with. Yeah. And so that forced me, I think, to learn uh, how to understand people better and, and their backgrounds and their, their, why people behave the way they behave. and. Um, I think that that actually was an advantage that I had. Um, moving around so much helped me with versatility. Yeah, that's and, a great outlook. And, um, you know, getting familiar with people that maybe weren't like me. Because I was forced to, you know, make new friends each time. Obviously, anyone that's moved around, you know that that's the worst part. Yeah. So that, that was an absolute early on, you know, lesson for me for that's sure. That's cool, though. I like that a lot. Um, so when, um, what were your favorite things to do when you were a child? Or like in junior high and high school, like did you, did you always carry a microphone around with you, or always wanted to speak? Well, if you ask my mom and my sister, they'll tell you that I used to. Uh, so I don't know how old was oh. I, Christy? Do you remember when we lived in uh, Livonia and I would put on shows for? You, you wait. Was wait like, is that when you put on the black cape? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, we have a video. Oh no, uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, I, w I would gather like my parents and my sister, and they'd, they'd have people over. I say, "Come on, gather around." They'd come. They'd walk into my bedroom, and I'd have humidifiers going for the fog. <laughs> you know, seriously, uh, and and I would hide behind the the drape. And my buddy, his name was Brad. He was sitting outside the window of our house, sitting on the ledge of the window, <laughs> and I would go behind the drape, and I would do costume changes. Oh yeah. And he would hand me clothes through the window, <laughs> and I'd come back out. And I'd perform. I, mean, I, I never followed that passion. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Singing. Your uh, mom told me that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you were singing? Yeah. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah, like. Well, let's do it. No. <laughs> no. I remember. I, so, wait, wait. Do you remember songs? at least oh. one of the songs? Oh, yeah. Oh, come on, man. Be coachable. Be coachable. Ready? <laughs> Don't tell my heart, my achy, breaky heart. I just don't think you'll understand. And if you tell my heart, 
Come on, man. Breaky heart. Oh, something. Let them kill this, man. Woo! <laughs> yeah. So there was a microphone, it just wasn't singing. It wasn't on. Yeah, all oh, right. <laughs> but it was for your, so, so Chrissy, were you part of the act or were you just watching? She was in the audience. Oh, you're in the audience. She yeah. was in row one. Right, she was in row one, like she is now. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting, though, you know, that kind of does have something to do. So how did you know when you were going to, like, like everybody else that gets in real estate, most people, like, don't come out as a baby and say, yes, I'm selling real estate. So how did you get into real estate? What caused that? Um, so one of the things that happened to me when I moved from Belleville to Novi is, um, you know, I had massive imposter syndrome because, um, you know, kids would, would find out that I lived in a trailer park and um, they'd make fun of me. And so, you know, I remember overhearing a conversation in like 10th or 11th grade in an art class of people talking about, oh, what neighborhood do you live in? What neighborhood do you live in? And so I knew the question was coming around to me. And so the neighborhood was called Highland Hills you know, trailer park or something. And I called it, oh, I live in the estates of Highland Hills. <laughs> I changed the name of the neighborhood because I was so embarrassed to, oh, and, and by the way, they figured out, where's, where's that at? You know, the kids, they're like, I've never heard of that one. Where's that at? Oh, it's, you know, just over off Grand River and Meadowbrook. <laughs> you know, it's been there for a bit. Yeah, but true story. This is, yeah, but really, no, I, what's over at Grand River and Meadowbrook? I don't, I don't think there's a neighborhood over there. Oh yeah, it's, it's in, there's this little road called Sealy Road, it's in the back, it's no big deal. Anyway, what are you guys doing later? Whatever, I was trying to change the subject. And I overheard them, after the conversation changed, whispering about, I think that's the trailer park. Oh. <laughs> it was in the trailer park. Wow. And so, um, you know, that was also the time when, you know, I was used to, you know, living in, when I was living in Belleville, it was normal. The kids would probably get a hundred bucks or 150 bucks for school clothes. Mm -hmm. And I was going to school, which is what I was getting by the way. And I was going to school with kids that were getting a thousand dollars, you know, to go buy their clothes for the year. And so I just remember thinking that, you know, and it, it's, it's kind of like the, I learned it later in life, but if it is to be, it's up to me kind of thing. Yep. Um, if I'm going to fit in, like we so desperately try to do when we're in, when we're in school probably, then I'm going to have to figure it out for myself. Yeah. And so um, I got a job working at Circuit City and I learned how to sell. And they were, I was on commissions, they were on commissions. And um, that led me to a job selling furniture. Um, and by the time I was a senior in high school, Kathy, I, was making, I made $65,000 my senior year in high school selling furniture. Yeah. Like part-time. I think I remember that story. Yeah, part-time selling yeah. furniture. And so I had every, it was the reverse. I was now the guy that like, you know, oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I could buy whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, and I had a guidance counselor just basically say, look, kid, you know, it's obvious that you enjoy sales. Uh, I know a lot of your friends are going away to college, um, but you ought to consider a career in real estate. Mm. And so... I remember that. I applied for a couple colleges just to be able to tell my, really, I, I knew my plan all along, um, but I wanted to be able to show my friends that I could get into college. Mm -hmm. So I applied and got accepted to, to a couple of them. Uh, one of them, and I was really close to, because all my friends went to Western Michigan University, so that's where I was going to go. Home of the Broncos, that's right. And now I still spend every weekend there, so I got to know <laughs> very well. Um, 
it's in Kalamazoo, Michigan, the west side of the state. Yeah. So I was going to go sell furniture there and get into real estate there and, and do college there, and I just decided to stay back and, and do real estate. What year was that? Uh, that was uh, 2003. Oh, okay. 2000. And when did we meet? We met in May of 05. Okay, good. Yep. So right after junior high. Oh, no. Yep. Oh, yep. High school, right. yeah. Yep. Okay. So, you know, it's been fun, obviously, working with you when you were younger, hiring you when he was 20, which was really fun. There was a lot of We sell it. I don't know if you knew that. We celebrated my 21st birthday during a sales meeting in oh, your yeah, office. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. 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 They had, like, booze and a cake that said 21st. <laughs> and it was great. Yeah. Yeah, because we went to an event before that where everyone was having a drink and you were only 20 and you couldn't have one. Correct. And then they, whatever. Yeah. We can, that's another conversation. <laughs> I think you figured out how to get some though. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. So coming, you know, uh, getting into the speaker and training. Did you want to tell the one story from that? I thought that's where you were going Wait, with that. I'm comfortable mean? telling you. Yeah, you tell The 20-year-old. Story um, at the bar. Oh, you tell it. You tell oh no, it not the Lloyd Odell story. Where's oh no, Lloyd. Lloyd. I'll tell that one another day. <laughs> so, do not tell that one. Do not tell that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was a young manager at 20 years old, and you know, oftentimes, like after the event, or lobby bar, or whatever, people congregate, network, and whatever. Um, well, I had I had met a um, lady friend that night at oh, the lobby bar. Yeah, I do remember that. And, Sorry, uh, Sunshine. I... All of, all of uh, the managers encouraged me, you know, oh, go for it, go for it. She's totally into you, dude. Go for it, go for it. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I, I had to lie about my age because she was yeah. in her 30s. And so I said I was, yeah. <laughs> I, was tw I wasn't even 21. So I said I was 27 and, um, you know, we had some good conversation. Anyways, um, <laughs> the next morning, uh, the leader uh -huh. of the conference uh, was giving kudos actually to Kathy and Paul, and um, you know said something to the effect of, "And you know, these two, Kathy and Paul, her husband Paul, just hired what I think is probably the youngest manager that I've ever met in the real estate." <laughs> yeah. And he said, "Jeff, where are you at?" <laughs> No, 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 Jeff, stand up. True story. Jeff, how long have you been in the real estate business? Three years. And how old are you? And I swear, the girl is like from, from, from me to Troy. I can feel her watching. 20. I remember that now. Was that the last date? Huh? Was that the last yes, day? Yes, <laughs> I remember that story now. That's so funny you bring that. So it's interesting because we have even more, but we just can't go into it now. Um, <laughs> so the speaker and training thing, right? Leading people, uh, doing this. Yeah. Um, I mean, did it start when you were started with, with you? the black cape on and singing? No, you no, no, no. No, it so started. I remember our conversation about you wanting to be a speaker yeah. and a trainer. Well, it wasn't even really that I wanted to be a speaker. I just wanted to train. Oh yeah, you're I right. I just enjoyed right. training more than anything. And yeah, so you're right. you're where right. speaking comes into that is that's how you can train people at a faster rate. You're right, right? about that, yeah. Um, and, and, I, and it actually started when I was with your company because we were with you know what was considered somewhat of a traditional franchise. 
And you were operating not as a traditional franchise. You were following a different system and saying, hey, this is what we want to train our agents on. Yeah. And I just remember the training manual from the franchise and the events that we would go to from oh, yeah. the franchise. And I just remember thinking to myself, if I ever get the chance to be on a microphone in front of agents, so it is I want to be known as the guy that's willing to tell the truth about what it takes to succeed in real estate mm -hmm. because the training today in our industry, even back then and still to today, yeah. is very low level. I mean, you understand that's one of the problems I've always had and you know, don't get mad because we've got broker owners in here as well, but that's, what I, that's one thing I hate about the capping system. Yeah. Why don't you just tell the agent after they hit a certain level, you don't really care about them anymore right. because that's what it does. Yeah, that's, and and now I know that. as agents, mm -hmm. we love the cap, you know, 100%, 100%. Yeah, but at that point, the company has no interest in getting you beyond there. I've and heard you know, of, I'm not I've calling any one particular company out because most have caps nowadays yep. anyways. And I just remember thinking that when I was flipping through the training manual, this is not going to get anyone to an unreal life. At the time, it wasn't unreal life, but to an amazing life. Yeah. This is not going to get people rich. I mean, the schedule, the plan, you know, one open house a month, you know, mail to your farm once per month and, you know, <laughs> Uh, send you know cupcakes to your database and you'll be a million <laughs> no that's not the truth and so what I learned is and I learned why the industry is set up that way because brokers and owners and leaders are afraid that if they tell you the truth you'll either quit the business or you'll go to a competitor mm -hmm. so instead here's what most of them do present company excluded of course tell me all the things that you're great at and I'll tell you all the things that you're great at. I'm gonna feed and fuel your ego so you feel good about working here. Mm -hmm. And hopefully that turns into success for you. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, that's bullshit. Yeah. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yes. Doesn't work. I remember the conversation when, about when we actually did consolidate the Livonia office that we hired him for. And I, we didn't know that when he hired him that we were gonna do that. <laughs> And you did a great job, but just the economic times had to do it. He was amazing. But he said to me, and you looked me straight in the eye, and he goes, I'm going to be a trainer. I want to help people, and I want to train. You're excellent. He also uh, recruited for us. So I remember that. So let's fast forward to, like, now. Okay. What, what drives you to get out of bed every day? You're so excited all the time. I mean... I don't know about you, you, if you guys know, but I think you sleep like maybe six hours. Like Five and a half, six hours, yeah. So what, what is the driving factor? Because we can all feel it, right? That burning desire to help people and contribute to their lives and help them grow and tell them the truth, even if you don't want to hear it. So what is it? How would you describe it? Um, the number one driving factor is that I feel like I'm going to run out of time. Oh, interesting. Tell me more about that. Well, um... I think that um, there's a certain level, there's a certain amount of people that we need to be exposed to to make a difference in their life. Mm -hmm. um, and they don't, they don't even know who we are. And uh, I'm afraid we're not going to get to them all uh, by the time I'm no longer here. Mm. And so every day I'm acting with urgency mm -hmm. as if it might be the last day. Mm -hmm. Because... Um, you know, when we say the mission is to impact millions, we mean millions with an S. Mm -hmm. And if I don't get after it every single day, um, you know, it just, it, 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 it won't get us there. I have to do it every day. 
Yeah. This well, is you, what I've been called to do. For those of us that work close with you, you know, know that. And so if you're afraid of that, I must be really afraid because I'm 25 years older than you. <laughs> <laughs> it does drive me, though. The one thing well, I, I think yeah. you can, if you, that's the thing, if you set the goal big yeah. enough, the bigger you set the goal, you look at how much time you have, the more urgency you're going to have to act with. Right. Right? You know, if you're here and you set the goal here and you look at, all right, I've got about 10 years left of good work, well, all right, that's, that's pretty manageable. You're not going to act with as much urgency. Right. But if you're here and you want to go to here and you have your timeline to do that by, you're going to act with a lot more urgency because every day that you don't work towards it is a day wasted. Totally. And that's how I truly feel. Oh, and uh, I think we all know that and feel that too. And we feel the same way. Maybe not so much like that, but because like fanatical comes in mind and it's a compliment, just so you know. Yeah. So when did you, okay, so Glover Agency, you know, you guys all know, I think everyone here, or some of the new people might not know, but he is a phenomenal, we have a phenomenal Glover Agency team. And I think with 67 uh, OSAs right now. When did you start that and what caused that? So, um, well, 67 licenses, but we've got yeah. about 35, 38 full-time producers. Okay. Because some people are, you know, showing agents, some people are inside sales yeah. associates or operations team members. Yeah. Um, so that started in uh, January 2009. Well, that was, when did you leave? Yeah, so, so. When did you bail on me? I mean, when did you leave? <laughs> I, I left your company in uh, January 2000, um, yeah, January 2009. Yeah, so that's when you went and, and started, I remember That's when visiting. we opened up an office. Oh yeah, yep. which was awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, well, yeah, at the time, because there weren't, weren't a lot of team offices back then, and I wanted to have an office with high energy music playing, bells ringing, and you know, encouragement, high fiving, yeah, and, yeah. and um, that didn't exist in most real estate environments. So I wanted to create that in ours. And by the way, I would have done it with Kathy. I mean, I went to you and Paul and said, I "Here's know. what I want to do," and you know, you talked to the franchisor, and they said, "Look, an agent can't have an office within your territory. That'd be competing with your space." And you know, so you, your hands were kind of tied, and I had I was forced to go do it somewhere else. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, really good. That's a good story. And wasn't Leslie part of that? Leslie, yeah, Leslie Ilo, yeah. uh, now Leslie Williams, recruited yeah. me away from your. Company. Yes, I remember that. Yes. And I coach her now. So talk about full circle. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Leslie. <laughs> but in all sincerity, in all sincerity, it's so cool how you know there's no. There was never any bad feelings about when you left or had to do your own thing. It was never anything like that. And now it's full circle. Yeah. So uh, it's really cool. So one of the things I wanted to ask you is what, are, what is one of the top two pieces of advice you'd give every, anyone to get to the next level in their career? I mean, obviously, we have the Glover U stuff, and, mm -hmm. and we teach that. But you know, what would you suggest for the next level? Well, number one, you have to identify people who are doing what you want to be doing. Mm -hmm. um, and you've got to figure out ways to, to, to model them, follow them, hang around them. Um, you know, when I uh, decided back in 05 that if I ever had the chance, I was going to be the one that told the truth of what it's going to take to succeed in this yep. business, immediately I started observing and taking workbooks full of notes of how to run events, yeah. how to put a schedule together for an event, what to do before the breaks, what to do after the breaks, what to do before lunch, what to do after lunch. 
um, you know, I, I knew where I wanted to go and I, I started following people that were at where I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. And, you know, many times that can be, be tough for people because, um, you know, kind of like what, for those that were in the VIP lunch, Kate made the uh, comment of, you're going to have to cut some ties to make room yeah. for other people in your life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, I, I'm answering the question, but I can't help but turn it into a development opportunity. Sure. What a surprise. I think that's one of the biggest challenges is that people hang on to their past uh, internally and also their past in terms of relationships. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they don't realize how those relationships are holding them back. Mm -hmm. And they're not, and, and what Kate said, what she put it best, you have to open up time to be exposed to and, and to get into a relationship with other people which means you're going to have to cut out something. Yeah. You're going to have to cut out something, whether it's a relationship or, or a thought or whatever. So, you know, I, I think that's the biggest thing. That would be number one. Identifying someone that's doing what you want to be doing and at the level you want to be doing it at and, and study them, observe them. And that might mean not hanging out with the same people that you're hanging out with every single day. Uh, that'd be number one. Number two is Without question, um, I think that my unfair advantage has been um, my work ethic. And, you know, I have always said, no matter what level of skill I have, I'm always going to outwork the competition. And so, for me, you know, some people say, well, Jeff, you honestly want to work hard your whole life? Like, that's not exciting. And I don't know how else to put it. I mean, I put it in the daily message. I write about it in an email sometimes. I don't look at it at work, as work, guys. This is not work. I mean, even when I go on a listing appointment, I, I, I could care less what's inside their closets and you know, what's, what's in this closet in the basement in the storage room. Like, I don't need to see another closet for the rest of my life. Honestly, I'm good, you know? I mean, you know what it's like when you're showing houses to buyers? Oh my God, the kitchen is hideous. We can never live here. Hey, but let's look upstairs. Why? <laughs> what? I don't need that. But I do it because I know that it's for another, it's for a bigger purpose. And, and it's not work. And we have to figure out a way. So I guess my second piece of advice on the work ethic thing, we gotta figure out a way to make work feel like less work, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. That's a great way to say it. And one of the ways that I think you can do that is by always being crystal clear with what the outcome, what the eventual outcome will be. Mm -hmm. Because then it doesn't feel like work, it's actually more like a path or a journey to that outcome or that benefit or whatever's at the end of the rainbow, right? Then it's, then it's like, this is the path I have to go down to get there. And this path, although it's work, is fun because I'm going to get there. And this is what it's going to be like when I get there. That's why I get so passionate about it. You have to be able to see it. You have to be able to taste it, sense it, feel it. Because then it's not work anymore. Then it's just the journey to get there. And it's, gotta, you know, it's enjoyable. So I don't, I don't look at work ethic as something that's like bad or negative or, you know, whatever. It's, it's life. It's not work. It's enjoyable. It's the journey. Yeah. I think that deserves a round of applause. Well, and everyone has their different version of what that is yeah. in chapters of their life. 
you know, some people will say, well, Jeff, you know, well, of course, he doesn't have any kids or whatever. Um, chapters change. They do change. And I think that, you know, just because your chapter doesn't match mine doesn't mean that you can't find that same level of joy and happiness in the work you're doing. Mm -hmm. No doubt about it. I mean, I think it's just such a great way. And you can feel it in the environment. I think everyone can feel it around here. So I have a serious question. Yes. Even more than that. Tell me about the time you tried out for Family Feud. Family Feud? You tried out for Family Feud? Uh, Is that right? Yeah. So were you going to explain to the audience? I mean, you think I was going to leave on well, that I was amazing with, Well, I was with my family. Um, well, you know, I tried out for The Apprentice, too. Oh, yeah, that's a good story, too. I kept it on my resume for, like, 15 years. Oh, yeah. If, if, seriously. It's still there. It's still there. <laughs> Wait, so you want to talk about the I never actually made it on the show feud? either. <laughs> That's the best part. Did you make it on the Family Feud? No, we didn't make it on the Okay, so what happened to The Apprentice? I mean, um, so. Well, I, I was... Uh, actually, it's kind of a cool story. So it was when The Apprentice first came out, and it was really cool. Uh, real cool, exciting show. Um, and, and I tried out, and I remember, actually, in your office, I had a, I had a friend videotape me of a typical day. And I sent in my first application and said, although I'm not 21, because you had to be 21 to apply to get on the show. Oh yeah, yeah. Although I'm not 21, by the time the show airs, I will be. Yeah. So I sent in the video, you know, I filled out this long application, and they actually responded and said, look, kid, in so many words, um, apply again next year, because we like what we see, and it doesn't matter, you have to be 21 at the time of filming. So same thing, I had you know, a friend you know, woke up in the morning, you know, got my suit on, I mean literally, from, they wanted to see what your typical day looks like. And so um, I made it to the semifinals, which were in Chicago, and I was only 21 at the time, it was my first time in Chicago. You know, I'm thinking like, I was by myself, you know, this train system and all this stuff was, was not easy to figure out, there were no Ubers and stuff oh, yeah. back then. Um, and I finally got to my hotel and they said, okay, when you get to your hotel, this is how sneaky it was. They said, you're going to stay here, and when you get to your hotel, you're going to get a call between 9 and 9.30 the next morning. Keep your phone near you. We'll tell you where to go next. So I had no idea. They just, just said, go stay at this hotel. So I'm thinking, like, what if I don't get service there? Like, what do I need to do? <laughs> so anyways, phone rings. Yep, come up to this room. And I walk in, you know, lights and, like, I mean, they, they removed all the furniture from this suite and just grilled me with question after question after question. You know, they want to see like how you'll respond and you know, will you get into fights with people and you know, they, they, they wanted to see the some host? drama. Huh? Who was the host of that show? The Parentis, Donald Trump. That's what I thought. Donald Trump, so they like that. Well, no wonder. They wanted that. Um, so I got a call back after that, that uh, process. Um, you can see how much I watch, <laughs> sorry. So there's 16 people that make it on the show. I was in the top 32. I made it to the final cut. And uh, they called me and said, and they were really truthful because they actually told me, if you don't hear from us, you didn't get on the show. Well, you wanna know why. Like, what do I need to do differently, right? So I called and called and called. They finally responded. I talked to like the producer or whatever. And she said, well, Jeff, here's the deal. We had two people that were great candidates for Michigan, you including. Uh, the other one was a female who was a Harvard grad and an Olympic uh, field hockey player. And so we're going with her, and that's why. Because they, they don't like to have two people from one state, and obviously she was more qualified, and that would look better on screen than a realtor. Yeah. 
Um, so anyway, so yeah, that, that's, and, and yeah, from there I was very proud of making the final cut of The Apprentice. <laughs> that's a great story. So lastly, before we let everyone take a break since we went a little while, how would you describe your unreal life? Let's say it's, you know, today or in 10 years or 20 mm -hmm. years and you a little bit older. Yeah. And then I'm a lot older, but how would you describe your unreal life? Um, doing what I want, when I want to, with who I want to do it with, without any regard for anything else. And I know that in order to do that, um, this journey that I'm on, uh, this path of, of impacting millions, which is going to take a little while, mm -hmm. um, might seem like it's restricting that, but you know, this is absolutely the, the, the path for me of what I enjoy the most. And, um, you know, I, I really couldn't think of anything else that I'd rather be doing than what I'm doing right now. Yeah, well, uh, we're happy that you're doing what you're doing now. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks, 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 Thank you for taking time to join Jeff and Kathy today on the Live Unreal with Glover U podcast. To get started on having an unreal business, take the real estate self-assessment. After you complete the assessment, a member of Glover U will get on a call with you to create an action plan to improve your score. Go to www.gloveru.com forward slash self. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Search for Live Unreal with Glover U on iTunes, Podbean, or Spotify and subscribe today. Until next time.